let me ask, start off this morning by asking a question. I, some of you might know this. Uh, if you don't, I'm going uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to save you today. I'm going to give you a, a piece of enlightenment, enlightenment. Did you know that salt water is salty? Did you know that? Maybe, maybe you didn't, and if you didn't, you are welcome. Uh, I, I just saved you for something. I was, I was a 22-year-old college senior married with a child the very first time that I figured that out. It, it was the first time that I'd been to the ocean, and uh, I, first time I'd ever seen the ocean, first time I'd ever been in the, in the waters of the ocean. And, and when I got in, I dove under a wave, and when I did that, I, I did what I had done for the first 22, well, probably not really 22, but at least the first uh, 18 or 17 or 18 years of my life, just like I'd done in my grandpa's ponds, it's like I'd done at the local uh, recreational lake, Rim Lake in southern Illinois, just like I'd done at the Lake of the Ozarks, just like I'd done at my friend Randy's swimming pool. When I dove into the water, I and I have no idea why I did this. I don't have any idea why I still do this. I dove under the water. And I opened my mouth and took a mouthful of water. Do anyone else do that? Am I the only one that, that, that does that? Huh? Not anymore, I don't. Not since, not since then. Uh, surely I don't. But, but I don't. And now, 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 do you know what? To my shock, I found out. I found out that ocean water was, was salty. Salt water is salty. You see, there's no mistaking a mouthful of fresh water, even if it's pond water or lake water, my love. Uh, there's no mistaking fresh water from a mouthful of salt water. I came out of the water uh, spitting it out, coughing, sputtering. I, I, think I, I think I said something intelligent like, man, that water's salty. And uh, my wife looked at me and laughed and said, uh, brilliant deduction, Einstein, or something to, similar to that. So I may be saving you, some of you, an embarrassing moment. Salt water is salty. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to uh, the book of James, chapter 3. If you don't have a Bible, there's one in the pew back in front of you. James, chapter 3. And, and we're going to see James uh, tackle or, or lo- at least use this idea of fresh and salty water uh, to, uh, to, to make a point that we're going to look at today. Now, so far in James, you, you probably have already picked up on this, you've been realizing this, that da- James doesn't in his book tackle a bunch of, of deep theological issues. Uh, now there's some, some cool stuff, there's some deep stuff, but, but his is not a treatise on deep theological stuff so much at, as it is just teaching on down-to-earth practical ideas that hit us where we live. For instance, we've talked about finding joy in our trials and understanding comes from and practical advice uh, that, that we should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. He's described about, told us what pure religion looks like, what, what that should be. Talked about not showing favoritism in the church and remind us that we're to be doers of the word uh, and, and that our faith should be in action. So, so we've seen a bunch of practical stuff thus far in the book of James. So it should be no surprise that in chapter 3, James tackles another issue that is both practical and timely. And, and quite honestly, it was right between the eyes. Now, now, not particularly today, but it's not more important today than it was yesterday or last month or last year, but, 
but it hits us right where we are, and it's something that we all need to hear. And that's why he talked to them about it. If you have your Bibles, James chapter 3, we're just going to read verses uh, 9 through 12 to start off. We'll, we'll kind of roll back to, to earlier in the book if we have time. And, and if, you're, uh, if, you lose, if you get bored, if you want to read, go ahead and read the first part of chapter 3 along, and you'll, you'll see kind of the context this comes from. But chapter 3, 9 to 12, this is what he says. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth comes praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same My brothers, can a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. If you want to reverse that, neither can a fresh spring produce uh, salt water. Uh, now, as we start here this morning, I want to, I want to do just a quick optic lesson just to kind of cement, uh, one, one last time, cement this idea of what James is trying to get us to understand. I, I think by doing this, maybe it'll just, it'll hit, it, it'll hit home, uh, maybe just a little bit deeper. So, so at least you'll take this mental picture home with you and remember. So, so with that said, I'm going to need two adult volunteers before Jack and, before Don and Jack can raise their hands. Two adult volunteers. Just, Adult volunteers, just come on up. Just feel free to come on up. You're you're pointing at people. I come on, come on. That's, that sermon won't get over till you. Someone comes up here. Tanya and Vicky, come on, guys. Where were the? Oh, we got to go. Okay, we've already got two people committed. Come to give you each a, a bottle of water. Uh, are you guys thirsty? What? Little parts. I am. Freak up. Oh, 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 oh. One of those may have salt water in it. They, they look the same, though, don't they? Hey, hey, hey. They, they, they look the same. They look exactly the same, but one is, has, maybe has salt water in it. The other one doesn't. Now, one of those is, let me get it right, sp- spring natural water. Now, I wonder if that really means it's spring water or just it's spring and it's natural water. Um, spring as opposed to artificial water. Uh, but one of them is, is that. The other one is spring natural water with salt in it. So drink up. Hang on just a second. Now, I was afraid you guys would trust me too much. I did put a mark on one of them so I could tell which one was the spring water or the fresh and which one what these figured out. Oh, there it is. I, I definitely put the mark on the one with salt water in it. So go ahead, Tanya, drink up. I, I think I, it makes sense that I would mark the one that had, had salt. Wouldn't it make sense that I marked the salt water one? But maybe I marked the fresh water one. I, I don't know. Do you guys drink and tell me which one it is? Actually, I didn't put salt in either one of them. <laughs> Woo! I can't believe you did that, though. <laughs> so you guys take your bottle of water and sit down. Thank you very much. Because I can guarantee if guys had come up here, they wouldn't have done that. They would have like, no way in the world. But but here's the point. There's a difference. Now, I'd, I, I tried that earlier, and I did put salt in one. And, uh, yeah, you can uh, you can taste it. James uses 
James uses this stark contrast between fresh water and salt water to illustrate the the challenge that the churches that he was writing to had. And let's just be honest, it's, it's a challenge that we still today have uh, because there's such uh, there's such power uh, in the words that we use. Commentator Donald Frames points out that that probably these early Christians would have would have had at least a little bit of a mental picture. When James used this idea of salt and fresh water, they, they might have thought uh, of this, this picture. A lot of them were from Jerusalem, and just a few miles south of Jerusalem lay Dead Sea. The Dead Sea is the lowest place on the surface of the earth. The, the surface of the Dead Sea is 1,388 feet below sea level. And then the sea itself is another twelve or 1,300 feet deep at places so it's the lowest place every bit of water that come that flows into the dead sea stays there it has no outlet because it's the lowest place on the face of the earth and the salinity in the dead sea is enormous for instance if you open your mouth and take a drink drink of uh, or at least put it in your mouth of ocean water ocean water is about 3.7 percent uh salinity has has 3.7 percent of it is salt the Dead Sea is 33.5% salt. In fact, when you go in the Dead Sea, you, you really can't float. There's no way you can drown because there's so much solids in it. A third of that water is actually solids that you, you, you bob like a cork when, when you try to get it or when you walk into the Dead Sea. It's, it's so full of salt. So they, had they visited the Dead Sea, and surely some of them had. Some of them had the mental picture of what that place looked like. So when he said that, they would have thought about the, the salinity level, the, the nastiness of that water. And they probably would have compared it or contrasted it with the, the springs that, flo- that flowed out of the mountains around the Dead Sea. So, so, so you go up to those springs and you can dip your hands in that cool mountain water and take a drink and, and it was refreshing and it was cool and it was great, but, but not so the Dead Sea. So for them, this stark contrast between fresh and salt water would have been vivid. And so James points, points that out to us. He points out that our words can refresh, they can revive, they can regenerate. Our words can speak truth, life, hope, encouragement into people's lives. Or our words can be salty. When they touch the spirit of the hearer, they can have the complete opposite effect that, that causes us to spit, sputter, or spew. So I ask you this morning, the question of the sermon, which one are you? Which one do you produce? Do you produce fresh or salty? This morning, we're, we're going to look just, just quickly at three, three practical applications where God is challenging us, where I think James wants us to see where our life should produce fresh water, not, not, uh, not salty water. Here's the first one, with our foes. So we need to produce fresh water with our foes. Now, just so you know, I'm going to kind of, I'm going to be broad here and a little bit generic with my, with the term foe here. So, so I'll explain it here in just a second. If you have your Bible, you might want to turn to Matthew chapter five. And if you get to Matthew five, kind of hold Matthew open because we're going to come back there a little bit later in the sermon, uh, in a couple other chapters. In Matthew chapter five, verses 14 to 16, there Jesus says, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. 
In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. He challenges there to, 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 to be a light to people. Now, you might be asking yourself, that's a, that's a great section. That's a neat, a, a neat passage from the Sermon on the Mount. It's one of my favorite ones. Got it underlined in my Bible. Th- that's a neat section, Tim. But, but what does it have to do about words? That, that passage is not talking about our speech or our talk or our words at all. And if you said that, you are absolutely wrong. It's, it definitely is talking about our words. Now, it's talking about other things as well. But, but our witness uh, is to be seen by people. And oftentimes, our witness is affected by our words. Our words, what we say, how we say it, oftentimes defines who we are. Let me give you a couple examples. Uh, basketball season is about ready to start, so you're attending a basketball game, and 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 and, and the your, the home team dribbles down, and and one of the the, the players, the the girl on the home team, stops just behind the three point line and shoots uh, a beautiful arcing shot and swishes a three pointer. The crowd yells, but there's one lady on the back row that yells a little louder than everyone else, that just screams, way to go, Betty or whatever, Nancy, whatever her name, just screams. You can pretty well figure out who that person is. I bet that's her daughter that just hit the shot. See, see what she said, how she acted, what, what words came out, kind of defined a little bit of who she was. You knew something about her because of that. Let me, let me contrast that a little bit. Uh, hopefully this is not you. It's been a couple times, more times than I would like to admit and um, shame to admit, but maybe maybe something happens and there's some guy, his face is red and his his his, his gestures are are strong and bold and he's screaming at the top of his lungs at the referee because the referee had missed a, a call. Uh, hopefully that's none of you. But but you know something about that person as well by their words. See our. Our, our foes, our, uh, our, our speech needs to be seasoned with, uh, with fresh water with our foes. And, and, and here's two foes. Uh, it, it could be people that we don't know. Now, I know you realize that you probably are saying, well, if I'm around a group of people that I don't know, uh, that I don't have any kind of problem with, surely they can't be my foe. Well, kind of work with me here. Let me, let me just kind of make this applica- application is. The question is, do we have an obligation to produce fresh water even when we come in contact? And this happens all the time in our lives, our daylights. When we're coming in contact with people that we don't know, people that we may never see again, people that we don't have any contact with or, or any connection with, do we have an obligation to produce fresh water then? Now, can I point out first that... Uh, that of all the applications I'm going to make, this might be the least important. At least for our witness, this might be our, the least important for our witness. But can I also say it might be the most telling about who we are? Colossians chapter 4, verses 5 and 6 says, Be wise in every way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Now, we'll point out that Paul uses salt in a different way here than, than what uh, James is using. He's using salt as a, as a preservative salt that, that, that adds or enhances something to it. But, 
But certainly we have an obligation towards outsiders. That, that could mean people outside the church, but I think it could also mean just anyone in our life. We do have an op, uh, uh, obligation to be wise in the way we act and the way we speak to people that are outside the church. Ron Meal is a pastor at a four-square church in Oregon, and he tells the story one time. He said he went to a grocery store, and he was just going to run in. It's been several years ago. He was just going to run in, grab a couple items, and get out. And, and so as he made his way to the front of the store, he began to scan uh, all of the checkout aisles. Now, now I love self-checkout, so, uh, but this was well before that time. And so he's scanning. He's trying to figure out which was the shortest. He, he sees an aisle that has only one person in it, and he says, that's the one. And so he, he jumps in the line, and as he gets there, the lady that's checking the, the customer out is slower than molasses. She's, she's taking each item. She scans it and kind of looks at it and then puts it in the bag. And then she scans one. And then she comments to the customer like, oh, uh, I'm not, I've seen this, but I've never tried it. Have you used it before? And I hear it's really great. He, the, all the while, he's getting more and more frustrated. Anyone with me on that? Anyone been there before? More and more frustrated. He's like, I just want to pay for my stuff and get out of here. And he's starting to lose his temper. And, 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 and it just keeps on going slowly. Finally, the last item is done. I said, like, this is several, several years ago. Uh, last item is checked up. And the lady says, well, you know, uh, 42 And then the customer reaches into her purse. Well, we don't have to deal with this much anymore. But, boy, this you know, used to fry me. Reaches into her purse and takes out her checkbook and starts to write the check. Oh, that fried me when that happened. She st- and so the whole time, he's just like, and he's thinking, who do I give the first dirty look to? Do I give it to the customer for not having her check ready? Do I give it to the cashier for, doesn't she know people need to get in and out? And, and he said, just in, in that moment when he's thinking, do I say anything or do I just give that look? Do I just kind of ignore? And he said, something in my spirit just spoke to me to, to be different, to, to, not, to not do that. He said, as, he, uh, as the lady finally paid and moved out of the way and he stepped up with his 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 items the lady greeted him and she began to scan and and he finished up he just had a couple items and he of course he had his check already written out all he was waiting was to put the the amount in he put it in he tore it off and handed the check said the lady looked at his check and she said ron meal ron are you the pastor at beaverton four square church my mom goes to your church and she's been inviting me to come visit some sunday i think i might do that I'm not expecting that situation to happen to you necessarily. But do we have an obligation with our foes, the people we don't even know, to, uh, to let our, our, our words be fresh? If you have your Bibles, if you kept them open to Matthew, flip uh, back a, a few chapters to Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12. Let me just touch on some verses there. Matthew chapter 12, starting with verse 33, it says this. Jesus, again speaking, says, Make a tree good, and its fruit will be good. Or make a tree bad, and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. Remember a while ago I said, maybe it doesn't affect our witness if we come into people that, uh, in contact with people we don't know, but it might say more about us if we don't produce fresh water. Make a, a, a tree uh, uh, make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad. Make it for a tree is recognized by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. 
Out of the overflow of what's in your heart, the mouth speaks. The good man brings good things out out of the good stored up in. The evil man brings evil things of the evil stored in him. But I tell you that man will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every careless word they have spoken. Ouch. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. So... I think we have a little bit of responsibility there for, for our foes, even with people we don't know. But, but how about our foes? And this is probably how you thought I really meant it, of people that we do know, uh, people that are our foes, our enemies, our antagonizers, our coworkers, our neighbors, people that don't like us, people that we don't like. We all have and come in contact with people that for us, uh, it's easy for us to lose our cool, to get upset, to maybe let our words change from fresh water to salt. What are we supposed to do then? Now, if you still have your, your, your Bibles, uh, turn with me back to Matthew chapter 5. Let's see what Jesus says. He kind of he uh, challenges us here. I'm going to read several verses. I'll read through those quickly. Matthew chapter 5, 21 and 22. Jesus addresses this same thought in several different ways over and over again. Verse 21, you have heard that it was said to people long ago, do not murder or anyone who murders will be subject to, the, to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. Anyone, again, anyone who says to his brother, Raka, is answerable to the Sanhedrin. But anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Oh, wow, Jesus, you're kind of, kind of making that tough. How about, how about later on in chapter 5, verse 38? He says, you've heard that it was said, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn to him. Also, the other one. You know what he goes on and says there. Look at verses 43 to the end of the chapter. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. I'll stop there. You can go ahead and read the rest of those verses if you want. Proverbs 15.1 says, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh one stirs up anger. And I know what you might be saying. You might be saying, well, well that's not real world, Tim. How How can I... How can I speak gently? How can I have fresh water with a foe? How, how can I have an enemy and produce fresh water? And I would say, you know what? That, that, you're right. It's not in the real world. You're right. You can't do that. But we don't live in the real, real world. We, as believers, live in a spiritual world. We have the help of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said in Matthew 19.26, With man this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. We need to produce fresh water, not just with foes, whether we know them or not. We need to produce fresh water with the faithful. We have an obligation to produce fresh water in our contact with other believers. So, So let me challenge you two ways. First of all, be careful. Be careful. Our words are powerful. When I was growing up, uh, just about uh, every other Sunday, we would go out to my grandparents' house uh, and have Sunday dinner. And during the summer particularly, when we arrived out there and got out of the car, almost every time we would see my grandfather sitting in the carport on a chair. Between his legs was a, a, a homemade ice cream maker cranking that, that arm of that ice cream. Now, any of you guys have those? Uh, we have an electric one that we never use, but uh, but 
But he would sit there and just crank that. We would pile out of the car, and then we'd stand there and just watch him. I mean, life's, we, we, no Nintendo back then, no cell phone, so, I mean, little things. And we would sit there and watch him, and then we would beg him, Grandpa, can we do it? And it, it kind of like a little bit like Tom Sawyer painting the fence. So, sure, this is fun. And so we would crank till it got so hard and so frozen that, that we couldn't. But, but, but not always. Every once in a while, every great once in a while, before Grandpa would take it inside, he would lift that, 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 that can, can canister, that container out of the, the brine water, the salt, uh, uh, the ice in the water and the salt that was all mixed together to make it freeze. He would lift that container out, and, and he would take a, a, a rag and gently clean off, carefully clean off the salt water on top and pull the lid off and let us take a finger. Yeah, we took our finger, Rita, sorry. Uh, let us take, but we didn't double dip. Uh, uh, yeah, we did. Uh, let us take a finger and taste some of the ice cream and then swear that we wouldn't tell Grandma that he let us do it. But he was so careful. He was so careful not to mix the brine water, the salt water, the icy, salty ice. Careful not to let any of that get in the ice cream because had he done it, it would have ruined the ice cream. Church in the body of Christ, if we produce salt water from our spirits and from our hearts, if our words within the body of Christ, uh, with other brothers and sisters, with whether it's local church or other brothers and sisters that are part of other churches or part of the kingdom in some other way, uh, if if our words are salt covered it can ruin the ice cream it can ruin the 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 spirit of the church in the church if we say words that cut that judge that hurt instead of saying words that build up and encourage and support life which which one are you see there's so many things that we can do that will make a difference will change people will encourage people but which one are you? We have to be very careful that we that we don't say things that are hard to take back. Dudley Rutherford tells the story of a lady coming to him. Dudley pastors at Shepherds of, of the Hills Church in Southern California. Uh, so the lady came to him and she 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 confessed and he you know he knew it already but confessed that she had a problem with gossip. She had a problem with talking about other people and just couldn't seem to control her tongue. But she was very convicted by that and just very convicted that she needed change. So she came to him and, and said, hey, I, I, I need to change this. And, and, and like I said, he knew that about her. She, he knew that she had, uh, had, had had that issue before and had tried to change it before. So he said, hey, are you willing to do whatever I ask you? If I ask you to do something, will you do it? She said, yes, whatever you ask, I'll do it if it's going to make it better. He said, okay, do this. Take a feather pillow and go up on one of the canyon roads that, that go up above our church. Go up on that canyon road and rip that pillow open and just let the feathers fly to the wind. And she kind of looked at him like, what? And he's like, no, you said you'd do what I asked. So she's okay. And so, so he said, do that and then come back sometime next week. And so next week she came back and, and she said, so I don't know why you had 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 me do that you know I, I i ripped it open and it was actually kind of cool though a gust of wind came up the feathers blew all they just kind of flied all down the canyon he said i have no idea though pastor why you have me do that what good is that going to be and he said well well this is what i want you to do next and this will solidify it for you 
I want you to go back up to that canyon road and pick up every one of those feathers. Of course, you know what she said. Well, impossible. There's no way they're, they're to the four winds. And the truth is, once our words are out, whether it's gossip or anger or hate or judgment, once our words are out, whether they're condescending or hateful, they're hard to take back. And can I make one other application? I'll let you run with this and take it wherever you want to go. It's just a two-word application. Just kind of stick it in the back of your mind. Social media. Figure that out. We, we need to be consistent. We have a choice. Which one are you? Ephesians 4.29 says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Our words are powerful. I'm not going to take the time to read, but if you go back at the first of this chapter, verses 3 through 6, James gives a couple illustrations uh, said a, a, a large horse can be steered by just a small bit in its mouth and a huge ship can be can be driven and moved about by 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 a simple rudder our tongue our words are powerful they can move in good ways or bad so let me finish here uh which one are you going to be fresh or salt when it comes to with our family with our family if you have your bibles turn to ephesians we're about done here in fact johnny if you guys want to come on up uh at this time ephesians chapter five and we're just going to stay there to finish up or ephesians chapter six excuse me uh, then we'll back up to verse uh or chapter five uh there's application here that we produce fresh water in our in our family and we have that choice it's going to be fresh or is it going to be Salty. Notice what it says. Let me speak for, a lot of you can just kind of tune out here for a second. Let me speak to kids right now. So whether you're, you're a fourth grader here today or you're a senior in high school, if you're a kid here today, let, let me speak to you because you have an obligation. You are by scripture called to speak in a certain way. Notice what, what Paul says in Ephesians chapter six, the very first verse. He says this, children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with the promise that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy a long life on earth. Kids, do you know that one of the, one of the big ten, one of the ten commandments was a commandment for you as kids, and maybe that applies to us as adults because we're still kids if our parents are living, uh, that we are called to honor our parents. We are called to use our words, and, and I know that's tough at times, but we are called to use our words to lift them up and to honor our parents. Wow. This, this sermon applies to you, kids. Kids, take a break here for a second, and remember, you're to honor your parents, so don't throw this in their face later. You might just smile and wink at your mom or your dad, but, but notice what it says in the very next verse in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. It says fathers. Now let me just add here, he probably means parents. We'll add moms in there as well. Fathers and mothers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. Uh, do, you, do you realize, moms and dads, we have an obligation to use our words that can be powerful and life-changing. 
And yes, it does apply to how we talk to our kids. Now I realize we have to, we still have to be, we have to be their mom and dad. Don't be their best friend. That's not your job. We do still have to discipline. We do still have to push them in the right way. We do still sometimes have to encourage them along the way with some words that may be tough. I'm not saying that at all. But you know what? I, I know some believers. I've witnessed firsthand believers who would never think of saying a harsh word to a stranger, to an enemy, to another believer, but they have to their kids. And I know that because that's me. I, I, I bet you've never heard me say a cross word to, to anyone. I'll leave Rita out. That, that's coming. <laughs> I, I, don't, I, I don't do that. But it hurts my heart. There's times when I did that with my own kids. Now, now hopefully my positives way outweighed the negatives. But there are times my words were, my, my, I say my harshest words, my most judgmental words, my, my, my most painful words for my kids. And God's word says right there, dads, moms, do not exasperate your kids. It's not easy. Guys, it's not easy. Moms and dads, it's not easy. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna, we're gonna fail on this one. When you fail, the next thing that needs to come out of your mouth is, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do that. I'm sorry I said that. I'm sorry I got upset. We, we need to do that. Do not exasperate your children. Uh, and then in chapter 5, let me just touch on a couple verses because let's take this application one more way in, in the families. Um, verse 22 of chapter 5 says, Wives, submit to your husbands as the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is Savior. And then, and then down a couple verses, verses 25. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. Husbands, you're the same thing. So, so let me just finish by saying, um, husbands and wives, your words are powerful. And which one, which one are you going to be? Again, we sometimes save our harshest words, our frustrations for our wife or for our husband. And sometimes that's, that's why God's put us together. We, we need that person that we can vent to. We need that person that's going to forgive us no matter how much we blow it. But, but, but can we hear James saying it shouldn't be fresh water and salt water shouldn't come from the same mouth? Can we lift them up? Would you bow with me? Father, we thank you that we have the ability through your spirit, through your help, to produce fresh water. It's not always easy. Uh, uh, it, uh, our, our tongue is small, and yet it's so powerful, and it, it can go the wrong way uh, at, the, at the drop of a hat. But, Father, we pray this morning that whether it's with people we don't know, people that we don't get along with, people that we do church with, or people that we live with, Father, help us. Let our speech be seasoned with fresh water. Let our speech produce life in others. 
we pray this and ask this and ask your presence in our life on this. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand as we sing?